This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, are you okay with complaining billionaires? Well, billionaires are allowed to have their opinion. It just depends on what they complain about, right? How about birds? We love birds. Birds are pretty. Who doesn't love birds? What about artificial birds? At least the sounds they make. All of that in Are You Okay? A study about nurses and stress. We have Marissa Harrington on the show. Jason Sunshine Sparkle Pants Manalis makes a guest appearance filling in and does his, in case you missed it, digs into some Guns N' Roses and more. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. Let it be known that Jason Manalis made me cry the first time he took me snowboarding. That's from uh, Mrs. Manawas, Sabrina. Damning. Just who still damning. Is, doesn't have a ring yet, but he bought himself a new car. <laughs> didn't give her a ring, just saying. Um, now, let's, let's talk about this, because you, you wanted to defend your snowboarding journey, because you're going snowboarding with Sabrina again tomorrow. Um, not even defending myself. Like I fully admit I was the one in the wrong here. Um, uh, what I would just like to explain what happened. Um, basically, so we went snowboarding, um, and then um, I already knew how to do it, obviously. Um, and then uh, she—it was her first time going snowboarding. Um, and then uh, we're—I was teaching her how to do it, and she's like, "I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, this is how you, you know, get on the heel side, go toe side. If anyone who's gone snowboard, uh, what I'm talking about there." And then uh, eventually, I saw the skate park, like where you can do the, the tricks and stuff, and I do that every year. Um, I'm jumping off boxes or doing the ramps and stuff like that. So I got tempted and I'm like, hey, babe, uh, is it okay if I just go to the park real quick? I'll come back for you. And she's like, uh, yeah, go ahead, babe. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I do the skate park. I take forever to finish it because I kept yeah. falling. And then by the time I got back um, to where she was, she wasn't even halfway down the mountain yet though, when I went back down. And she was crying. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong? She's like, you left me. I'm like, but you said I could go. Um, but, you know, obviously when a girl says you can leave, you can't really leave. Like, you got to stay, um, which, which I didn't know at the time. We were, st- we were This was still early on in our relationship. Um, so uh, less the moral of the story is uh, don't leave your girl behind, even if she says you can go. Ding. Very good. Hey. Very good realization. Well done. I'm a little surprised that for somebody who knows how to snowboard so well that you fell down so much in the in the park. But just saying, uh, I and I, I really just want to acknowledge uh, that awareness that you realized. You know what? Shouldn't have gone first of all. Took too long. Second, but you haven't come that far because again, you wouldn't let her have her control of the radio on the way to the birthday dinner. So <laughs> kind of the same conversation over and over again. <laughs> hey man, it's a never-ending battle. <laughs> All right, uh, we're glad to have you back. This is fun. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. I'm Shade Hewitt. That is Jason Manawa, Sunshine Sparkle Pants, with a guest spot for the show tonight. Ryan's moving. Uh, Matt MacArthur is here as well. Well, how are we going to do this, Matt? Um, do we um, do we get into our moon dial here and then get started with our? contributor or do we do our contributor then get into our moon dial well let's see maybe we uh and clearly i thought about this so i think we'll hit the moon dial first we'll see how silly it is and then we'll go to our contributor to see if everyone's okay with it okay so uh how is the moon dial maddie are we ready to go uh let me just check hey moon dial hey yeah no i didn't mean to leave you behind there 
I, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, I, I know that, like, that, you know, I was teaching you and I knew everything already. And I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was wrong and I, I love you. And I, uh, we, we want, we want you just to come and, and do your thing. Okay. Come on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're ready. Oh, uh, okay. Everything's all fixed up. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, are you okay? Are you okay with silly moondials? Derek is in Edmonton. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. What's up? Well, um, I know there was a complaint yesterday about uh, someone being silly with the moon dial, and uh, the texture, I believe, said something about being normal with the moon dial. Mm -hmm. So I am absolutely okay with a silly moon dial. <laughs> Silliness is part of Matt's personality. And like what is normal about the shift? <laughs> yeah. This is true. Fair. Very, very fair comment. Very fair comment. So, well, Jared, thank you. Know, you. Um, I do also want to say something about a gift that I've got for Jason that I'm going to uh -oh. be sending to the station. Okay. Um, it is a beer cozy that my aunt is presently making. And the beer cozy says on it, I am just a ray of effing sunshine. <laughs> that's awesome that's fantastic thank you derek wow thank you, thanks Beauty. derek uh thanks no brother. problem you guys Eight, have a good day 877 you two 877-399-9898 sunshine sparkle pants right there i'll make sure to put that aside for you buddy Set thanks, i'll come pick it up when this uh, whole pandemic is over and i can actually come when, back to the office <laughs> when you get it it'll be stretched around a david bowie mug that's all right <laughs> All right, are you okay? Are you okay with billionaires crying foul? <laughs> They're so rich and they have no problems at all. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if someone disagrees, I mean, who cares how much money they have? They are allowed to. They're just as much just because they're rich doesn't mean they don't get a say anymore. Can you imagine if it was flipped the other way? Just because you don't have any money, you don't get a say, even though it's kind of what life is like. But, you know, it's not the other way around. Well, actually, yeah, maybe yeah. if we do think about this differently, you know, more money, more problems. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I feel like with billionaires, though, they have more resources to solve their problems. I mean, you know, there's a saying you can't solve you can't solve problems with money. But in a billionaire's case. They have access loads of money. So I feel like, I mean, well, people can cry foul play. They can cry foul play all they want. Um, but I feel, but I do feel they do have more resources to help them with whatever they're crying foul play about. Well, I mean, I think that it's, um, it's one of those things that, you know, we can't, it's got to be fair for everybody, right? Doesn't it? Like, that's the thing. In theory. In theory. All right, well, let's dig into the clip here a little bit. Hedge fund investor Leon Cooperman says he's been attacked by poor middle-class investors in response to the short squeeze that we talked about last hour in the market. The reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government, okay? And this fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people, and, you know, I think it's inappropriate. we all got to work together and pull together. 
he said through his megaphone. Because uh, apparently that's what he's doing, standing on his, his veranda. Um, so just to be clear, everything that was done in regards to the market by the people buying stuff was fine. You know what's coming to question was the fact that the app stopped the trading for the little guy so the hedge fund people could get their money out. So isn't it ironic that he's complaining when exactly the opposite actually happened, that all of the people that had all of their life savings invested in the app that did. They did. They like they could have had all of their life savings in the app. They were frozen. They couldn't do anything. But yet, the hedge fund people were able to work it. So just remember, you're using a free app. They're taking all of your data. They're selling it to somebody. Wow, where, who are they going to sell it to? They're going to sell it to the hedge funds that can afford to buy it, manipulate it, understand it, and anticipate what buyers are doing. So no, in that case... Uh, that kind of, that kind of complaining, he's allowed to have his opinion. Unfortunately, he's just painfully wrong. And uh, for the sake of being thorough. Can't go wrong with more money, more problems. Just saying. All right. Who's hot? Who's not? God, that was a good song. Um, that's Notorious B.I.G. and uh, P. Diddy Puffy, Puffy Doogie. Biggie. All right. Are you okay? Are you okay with birds singing? Uh, I'm a, I don't know. I, I guess some birds, I'm no bird expert, you know, whatever you call them, bird experts. Bird watchers? I think they're just called bird experts. Okay. Well, I'm no bird expert watcher or no bird watcher expert here. You know, some birds, they have like a very melodious sound. Some just have like a very like harsh squawk. Uh, penguins sound kind of like donkeys. It's very weird. You wouldn't expect that noise to to come out of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on the bird, I guess. Okay. Um, first of all, Ornith ornithologist, an ornithologist, not a hornithologist, different topic, ornithologist, <laughs> O-R-N-ethologist, uh, studies birds. See, that's pretty. Nice. Wake up in the morning. I like that. Summertime, right? You're like, you're like, <sighs> hey Siri, turn on my coffee pot. Morning. Right? Best sound it's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Um. Okay. <laughs> Did you hear that? I don't know if you heard that. I just said the. I told Siri to turn on my coffee pot, and I just Siri for my my next room just said the coffee pot is on. Sorry, <laughs> it's part of my wake up routine. <laughs> He's still waking big, up. Big Brother's listening. All right, it's been dubbed the Bayview Squawker, a loud seagull repellent device that's become the source of frustration for some Victoria West residents. Kylie Stanton has more on where the nuisance noise is coming from and what neighbors want done about it. There's construction, traffic, even float planes. Sounds you'd expect to hear living in downtown Victoria. But add this to the mix. There it is. There's the noise again. Every minute of every day for 15 seconds. And you'd probably be pretty fed up as well. 
You can't unhear it. The noise is the sound of a bird in distress. It comes from a device like this, meant to repel seagulls. The strata council in the building next to Pfeiffer's has been using it for years. Those living in the 10-story tower can't hear it, nor can those living below the roof line in the neighboring building. But if you're anywhere above, this becomes the soundtrack of your life. I was kind of in shock. I thought, you know, good neighbor policy, like, let's come to a compromise. The residents have taken their concerns to the building's strata council and city hall. Bylaw officers determined the noise was too intrusive at night and had to be turned off and played at a lower volume during the day. But as for getting rid of it altogether, it simply wasn't loud enough to register as a violation. The noise has to be essentially above conversation level in order for them to do something. Making matters worse, the tactic likely isn't very effective. To use something like that continually, uh, usually gulls or whatever your, your target um, birds are, will very quickly ignore it. You know, they're not stupid things. They're, they're very smart birds, actually. There are alternatives like falcon kites or having a raptor come in to scare the gulls away, something nature has taken care of on its own. A pair of nesting peregrine falcons that call the Bayview Towers home seem to be keeping the gulls at bay. And yet the, the noise continues. Pfeiffer's next move is asking City Hall to consider changing its bylaws. In the meantime, this is the only way to stop the squawk. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. I guess whatever you need to do to keep them shithawks at bay. <laughs> Ooh. They have one of those at the Costco by my house. And I think the one that we just played sounds way nicer than the one they have at Costco. And I don't know why it is the Costco, but the birds are just, and they fly above the front door. And they turned that thing off for a little while, and it seemed to be all right. But that's all you hear is that, oh, it's brutal. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay with poetry? Poetry. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing where they the, there's like words on a paper, but <laughs> yep. there's no like there's no music to it. It's not like rock lyrics or anything like that. It's not like yeah. you know. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. Yeah, right. I I wandered lonely as a cloud. Right. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> poetry right there. You guys just nailed it. We don't mean to make make fun. We know how much you love poetry. I love poetry. I do love poetry. Um, it turns out that in our conversation about snowboarding, we have received a poem. Really? So I th yeah. So I thought it it would be it would be worthwhile to acknowledge Lauren and and read the poem that was so carefully crafted in regards to a Jason making his girlfriend cry on a, on a ski hill. Oh my goodness! Okay, let's you do good? it questions no questions all right so here it is i think sunshine was so overcome with joy he was on the hill he became self-absorbed with his need for speed and tricks on the hill he went snow blind and forgot all about the newbie the girlfriend the boss his love he brought to the hill lesson learned happy wife happy life it sounds like he knows better now wow that is some talent talented poet right there 
there is some serious snaps happening right there. Love is had. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> All right, let's do uh, one more Are You Okay here because we have time. Um, are you okay? I don't know if I want to name this one the same. Are you okay with politicians? Um, that's a quite a uh, quite a loaded question to ask on talk radio. Huh. Not as of late. No, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not as of late. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just gonna step back from this one because uh, I have no opinion. <laughs> I'm not okay with politicians. I'm okay with politicians that are, you know, that do their job. I no, Let me say it this way. I'm very okay with government representatives. I'm a little unsure about politicians. How about that? Yeah. Okay, this one's uh, from south of the border. A conservative activist in Michigan who Rudy Giuliani called to testify during a hearing on election fraud says... She is running for local state house seat. Do you remember this story? Her name is Miranda Carone. And just in case you're wondering, here's a refresher from Inside Edition of who she is. I know what I saw, and I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Did you? Melissa Carone's feisty testimony in Michigan is getting lots of attention today for all the wrong reasons. How many registered voters are on there? Did you do you even know the answer to that? No, I guess it's, I'm trying to get to the bottom zero. of this here. Zero. There's zero. Others are comparing her to Cecily Strong's ditzy party girl character on SNL. Sir, I wrote a written affidavit. This election is an outrage. It's a joke, okay? It's a abomination. <laughs> nice. You can't even tell the difference between the two characters. You can't. Uh I wrote a written affidavit. <laughs> okay, so what, when normal people want to become politicians, I think that's a good thing. It, it sort of, uh, you know, puts some fresh blood into the pool, if you will. A real positive perspective. Ever just be grateful that you're Canadian with that one at all? Just saying, throwing that out there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So in an interview with uh, Deadline Detroit last week, Carone said she intends to run for the seat representing Michigan's 46th district, which covers much of Oakland County and the Detroit suburbs. She said, my ultimate goal is to get our ballots hand counted and cleaned. Sorry. My like ultimate goal is to get like our ballots counted by our hands and our fingers because we're going to count them with our hands because we have a couple of them, sometimes three and clean out Lansing, just like draining the swamp in D.C. because that never did happen. So it's about time that we did. <laughs> oh, my God. Is, is that Miranda Crone? That was incredible. That was a good valley girl. It's the shift with Miranda Crone. Whoa. This is the Shift Podcast. Here on the Shift, we were talking about this COVID thing. Because it's been a year. I mean, hasn't really been a year for all of us yet. We're about 10 months, nine months. But really, it's been a year. And do you remember back in March and April? April, really, of last year, 
where people put signs in their windows and they cheered on frontline workers and everything was, you know, yeah, frontline workers, we love you. Comparatively speaking to where frontline workers were in April to where they are today, the day-to-day is night and day different, right? In April, the fear of the influx of the people was the biggest part. Things were starting to change, and as always, healthcare adapts. Today, there are a lot of people rolling through the doors. There are a lot of people in those beds. So what is the impact of that? We thought it would be appropriate to do a little bit of a reminder of frontline workers in this particular conversation, nurses. And what is the impact of the day-to-day now that it has been this steady incline for so many months? And to help us get into this conversation is Maria Harrington. She's a nurse researcher, MSc, kinesiology student at U of Vic. And you have um, some information and work that you've done on the physical impacts of stress and everything that's been going on from the perspective of nurses. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, by the way. Yeah, no worries. My pleasure. Um, Help us understand, because the way that I've explained it is like a mile wide. Can you sort of bring us in a little bit more narrow into understanding um, what your work has been and sort of what's the focus For sure. So we've heard from nurses all across the media in newspaper, TV interviews, et cetera, saying how stressed they are working during the pandemic. So they're feeling burnt out. They're feeling overwhelmed. um, They're feeling tired and just exhausted with the burnout from working during this time. So with our research, what we're doing is we're providing the physiological evidence to support what they're saying anecdotally. So we're providing the evidence that, yes, they are stressed. Um, This is how it's affecting various systems within their body. So looking at things like heart rate variability, looking at things like the cortisol cascade and how that release patterns affected, Um, looking at sleep, which has been affected in this population, and then just providing some empirical evidence to back them up and say, this is a serious problem and we should really be grateful for everything they're doing and hoping to make some changes potentially as well. When we dig this into the trench, the trench of the nurse, Yes. Here's what I imagine it to be. I imagine it to be very busy at work with lots of change. Um, A bit of a cautious, I imagine it being sort of a cautious, they don't work like snails, but I mean, like a turtle approach to just super cautious, super steady Eddie, because the minute that you let your guard down, that's when um, someone gets sick. And not only that, I imagine then going home and not seeing people the same way that you would want to see people not being able to being super diligent at home because often there's kids that are going to school. So I'm going to say exposed to all kinds of different COVID related things at work than the worry of bringing it home. Now, would that factor into it in one chunk of research stress, or does that get broken down into different pieces? Well, it's definitely a really good point that you brought up. Um, We've seen even before the pandemic, there's, Research that's been done that has shown that, oh, nursing is a stressful profession because of patient care duties and um, interactions with coworkers and doctors and things like that. And then what we've seen with the pandemic is we're amplifying the stress within those duties of the job, but we're also adding so many other things in. So like you mentioned, um, having to follow social isolation protocols. So with some of the nurses that we've talked to, 
they're not even able to sit with their other coworkers on a lunch break. So they can't have that interaction even within the workplace. And when they go home, they have to isolate in order to keep their family safe from potentially bringing home COVID. Um, there's other things to consider, such as personal protective equipment. What happens if you run out of that or you can't find it right away? Um, when the pandemic first started, we had all the issues with shipments of that coming in, um, as well as people, there's all the hysteria about, oh, what if someone steals PPE and I don't have any? Um, it wasn't as bad as in BC, but we saw, for instance, what happened to some hospitals down in the States, having to make gowns out of garbage bags and thing like, things like that, which thankfully have not happened here. Um, other things, again, such as having to change the way that you perform a general procedure. So limiting the amount of people you can have in a room um, to do something like uh, uh, take a sample from a lung or something like that. I'm not a nurse, so I can't speak to that too much. But having interacted with them and spoken with them over the last couple of months, it's painted a pretty interesting picture of what they're going through right now. So how did you measure all of this in the study um, because, you know, you said the anecdotes of the nurses, the stories they tell, plus in addition, there is the, um, you know, there's gotta be some data here oh, yeah. inside the research. So how do you go about that? So we've got a couple different ways that we're doing things. Um, I like to call it, we have two different bags of fun that we give them essentially, since I can't, I can't go into a hospital. They don't want me going in there during a pandemic and I don't want to go to, into a hospital during a pandemic. So I've been replaced essentially by these two bags that we give them and some things on a computer. So the first thing that we're looking at is we're looking at cardiovascular variables. So heart rate and heart rate variability, as well as sleep. And those are measured in everything that's in our first bag. So that contains an activity tracker watch, a chest strap heart rate monitor, and a tablet. So from that, the nurses will wear the watch for out a 12-hour shift. And from that, the data actually syncs from the watch onto a tablet afterwards in which I can go through in a back end and all the computer magical fun can analyze that and see what's going on through them throughout their shift. We're also getting them to do a five minute reading basically before and after they are done their shifts where they lay quietly with the chest strap heart rate monitor on. And then I'm able to take that data from that monitor and look at heart rate and heart rate variability in what is supposed to be a relaxed state. And the four days off after shift, we also do heart rate variability measurements with the chest strap and the watch, um, but those are just done in the morning there. We're also doing saliva samples. So that's what I call bag number two. Um, it contains a saliva sampling kit. So they get um, different vials and collection aids. So they will provide us samples of their own spit in which we then take off and are going to be analyzing for melatonin, cortisol, and interleukin-6 concentrations. So those are three different biomarkers there. In terms of the subjective side, so looking more into how they're feeling, um, the stories that they've told us, um, we have a couple of different scales that they fill out. So one of them is known as the expanded nurse's stress scale. So this was actually made in the 80s. It's since been redeveloped and refined and validated for use now. It's used all across um, different healthcare research areas. And through that, it provides, I think it's nine subsections that relate to different areas of the healthcare profession, excuse me, and you're able to rate how you're feeling, um, how different procedures are going, do you feel stressed in dealing with other coworkers and things like that. So we're able to capture that response as well as the physiological response to kind of go hand in hand with that there. One of the quotes from the release says, I knew that my heart rate was always high on my shift from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Um, I see now that I'm in a constant state of stress at work. Mm -hmm. 
I would say that it's probably too bad, and maybe you can do it down the road, that you don't have, because you said, um, you know, relaxed state. Yeah. We don't have, maybe we do. Is there relaxed state data from before COVID? So the, the scope of relativity is is as wide as it could be because the scope of relativity in this would be living at home through all of those at-home pressures as well. Exactly. So that is a very good question. Uh, With the pre-pandemic research that's been done with nurses, they do have some things looking at heart rate and heart rate variability, but it's really hard to generalize to our population that we're looking at because lots of these systems and hospitals that they're in, they use different shift scheduling systems. So Island Health here in Victoria does what's known as a rapidly rotating shift schedule, where it's two day shifts, two night shifts, four days off. Um, Some of the research that's been done in heart rate variability with nurses is mostly in Finland, where they use a completely different shift schedule. And as we know, Finland and Canada are very different um, population wise, et cetera, et cetera, where it's not really easy to generalize those results. So what we're using is there's the European task force of that basically did the huge heart rate variability and cardiovascular stress document 96 um, that's used as a validated tool for everyone. And we're kind of comparing it to that in terms of what healthy would be, what a relaxed state would be. But in terms of a control itself, it's kind of hard to capture that right now, I would say. Yeah. If only we had a crystal ball and could see in the future too, right? Exactly. And that's something that this research too, it can, there is the potential for it to be even done in a post pandemic world. So hopefully, say three years from now, when we're done the pandemic, um, we could even go ahead and test these same nurses if they are working within the hospitals in Victoria still and seeing just how it differs from working during 2020, say, to 2024. What is that difference that we see there? So that's another thing that could be done in the future. I guess the next question would be how stressed out are nurses? (laughs) They're stressed. Um, we are luckily knock on wood, we are not in a pandemic hotspot in Victoria. Um, and we are still seeing stress responses. Like, again, we've only looked at the cardiovascular variables and the sleep variables. We're saving all of the saliva fund for when we get the biosafety and everything ready to go to send it off to that lab. Um, but so far from what we've seen, it's they're stressed, um, even in days off. So you'd expect them, especially with the heart rate data, and heart rate variability, sorry. When you see that data, it's high on shift is what you would expect. But even when they're off shift, so going into days three and four off, you'd expect it to come back down to a relatively normal or quote unquote healthy normal level. But it's still staying pretty like elevated, showing that you're still in that chronically stressed state. And that's happening on days three and four off. So yeah, it goes to show that they are, they're still feeling the effects of this, even when they're not at the hospital for four days and just at home. <sighs> male, female ratio, um, predominantly female nursing staff. Yes. I'm assuming it's the same. Yeah. We we're um, doing exclusively female for our project. Is it? And why, so why would you do that? Is that just to keep it because of the biology differences just between a, a, a man and a woman? So the, I think it was a report in 2019 that showed that it's 95% of the nurses in Canada are female. And it's the same um, as in BC around those stats. So we wanted to have it generalizable, generalizable to that type of population um, with our results. Um, also, we were hoping before the pandemic hit um, to potentially look more into how shift work affects 
these women because there is a tie-in with with shift work. It affects your melatonin cascade. So I'm sure you've heard of melatonin. It's your sleepy hormone, right? Yep. Love it. If your <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> if your melatonin cascade is affected, it can also then in turn affect the estrogen cascade in females and lead to an increased risk for breast cancer. So that was kind of one avenue we were thinking of going pre-pandemic. Then the pandemic hit and we kind of had to jump ship, change our research um, plans and our goals as to what we hope to look at. And we had already set that eligibility criteria and it had already passed the first little bit of our ethics hurdle. So we just figured, don't change it. Let's just keep doing this, but kind of change our focus from looking at shift work only to now looking at the stress of working during the pandemic. Okay. So what's cool, I hear what I hear going on is then there is opportunity to expand it later or look at other things when you stay specific to gender. Exactly. Very cool. And there are like the population uh, or the percentage of males that are working as nurses, it is going up like from 2014 to 2019, it's jumped and it keeps increasing. So it is something that we can look at later. Interesting. So what's next then? You keep going with this? When 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 do we get to hear um, you know, the evidence behind what the nurses have been saying all along? So I hope to have the part my part of this done, hopefully by ready to go for defenses. This is my graduate thesis, so I do hope to graduate this year. Um I hope to have it done and ready to go for August. That's kind of my deadline that I'm looking at right now. But in terms of this project itself, it kind of can carry on with legs of its own. Like we've, I've talked with my supervisor, Dr. Stuart Hill about this, and we're looking at doing like, including other populations into this, such as paramedics, uh, long-term care workers, as we know, long-term care has been hit pretty hard with COVID here in BC. So that's another area that we could look at. Um, Extending it to even public health nurses that are working at the Island Health Clinics here in Victoria. Those that are actually doing the COVID tests um, you could look at lab techs doing that are doing the blood work and looking at serology for COVID. There's so many different avenues for this to go with. And even though I myself am going to be quote unquote done um, in August, I still hope to be involved with this in any way, shape or form, because this is a really valuable area of research to be involved in. It's interesting to put the data behind the stories. Mm-hmm. And um, if anything, I think what I take here is I take away, let's not forget the basic things like the signs in the windows that we had back in April and May, because not only has it all changed, um, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and these people are clearly going through, uh, they're going through a lot and the evidence is there. I, this is amazing stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, some people wake up in the morning and they're like, you know, what are you going to do today? I'm going, well, Ryan, our the show producer, he's like, I'm going to color in my coloring book and draw some sneakers. And you're like, I'm going to measure the heart rate of nurses. <laughs> well, today I didn't do that. There's no one out there right now for me. They're starting next week, but there you I know go. what you mean. It's cool yeah, being it's like, human. I know. And well, even just to draw on your last point there about the nurses, um, like at the beginning of the pandemic, there's the, I'm, you guys have the 7 p.m. clap thing, right? The what's like the 7 p.m. clap? Like we had, oh, yeah, yeah. I think it started in England with the NHS and yep. everyone was on board with that for like, I think two months and then summer it kind of faded out. But there's actually a story in New York in, oh gosh, I think it was December a group of people went up to a hospital that was a COVID hospital in New York and just screamed at the nurses from outside that it's not a real disease and you're not doing anything. And it's like, just to show how far we've kind of done a 180, not all of us, but just how 
the attitudes towards some of these jobs has really changed in the last yeah. Which is really well, and in, I think it was in Italy they were doing some pot banging and stuff too, yeah. yeah, for their for their frontline workers. I mean, I think that's what we can't forget, right? Is that exactly. um, that felt great for us in the short term, but this is going on for these people for the long term effects of this are going to be well beyond all this. And I think yeah. the research is is interesting. So thank you very much for sharing the time. Hey, my pleasure. It was great to talk to you. It's the Shift Podcast. All right. So one other text came in about who owns the radio when driving and as we get into in case you missed it i will start here always let the lady choose the music and when you get to the destination ask her to wait a second then get out of the car walk over to her side and open the door for her with a great smile and tell her one more time we're um that you're there together how much care about her and that she's stunning it's a good tip now i know in his heart jason sunshine sparkle pants is painfully romantic and trust me Jason's handsome. He he's married up with Sabrina, and I know he'll agree with me with that one. Jason's a handsome devil, but Sabrina's classy, and so he is one of the most grateful guys around. So just understand while we tease him, he, I do know that in his heart he is incredibly grateful for that lady. Fair ball, Jay. That is a fair ball for sure, Shane. All right, I love their love, and all the teasing and jokes aside, I do. I truly love the way that. There was a picture that Jason has that he had taken of him getting out of his car and um, Sabrina's reaction <laughs> to how handsome he was, was a, a great signature of their relationship. Anyway, it's time for In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Jason, Sunshine, Sparkle, Pants, Manawas. Ding. Hey. I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, that's been fun to hear, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. First of all, the show has been fantastic. Uh, thank you guys for uh, bringing me back here. Uh, it's been a fun time. Good times as always. Always a pleasure. Anytime, uh, before we get Always in, welcome. Before Part we get into it, in case you missed it. Um, I keep interrupting. It's kind of funny. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, before we get into in case you missed it, um, uh, especially as the shift is uh, big supporters of support towards mental health, I'd just like to uh, acknowledge that yesterday was uh, Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, and just want to give a reminder to anyone who's experiencing any type of uh, mental health problems that we're here for you. And of course, you're never alone um, in your fight against uh, mental health. And of course, the best step sometimes is to just uh, talk to someone. Uh, so I just want to give that reminder for Bell Let's Talk Good Day, tip. which was yesterday. Um, so Very let's good. get into in case you missed it. Uh, so this first one is, um, what do you get with two guitars, two bowls, and two empty water bottles? Well, in TikTok users AMH Band's case, they made their own rendition of Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child O' Mine. And here's the clip. Wow, that's hot. Hey, radio, we call that hot. So how did they make that, Jason? Tell me, how did they make that? Because, I mean, that doesn't sound like they just grabbed their guitars. Oh, for sure. So they had two guys in the front uh, with guitars. Um, those two guys with the guitars had bowls on their heads. And there's two guys above them with empty water bottles tapping on the uh, bowls as a drum. So, um, uh, and it's, sorry about the static there and kind of the hot audio there. But if you actually search them up on Twitter, you can find them. AMH band. 
um, and they um, they do a great rendition of uh, Sweet Child of Mine. And it actually sounds pretty legit, even though it was with uh, made up instruments. And you know what, uh, Derek um, reminded me earlier, um, and thanks again, Derek, for uh, making me something that's uh, really sweet of you. And he actually reminded me of this rendition of Sweet Child of Mine from the movie Step Brothers. This one's for you, Derek. She's got a smile that it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories Where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky All right, Tommy, you're the oldest. I'm counting on you. Come on. She's got eyes of the bluest skies As if they thought of rain I hate to look into those eyes And see Nice vibrato, buddy. All right, all right, Alice, let's go. Flat. It's so flat. I can't even, I don't even know. You don't even look good while you're singing. The worst thing I've ever heard. This is $1,200 a week for voice lessons, and this is what I get? Okay, I'm going to save it with the solo. Bow, bow, I'm dead. And I can sing high like this. And I can sing high. Jesus. <laughs> All right, that's cool. Now, before you continue, uh, Jason, out of a salute for your hard work here tonight, we were just kind of tossing it about, like, you know, how hard is that song to actually play? It turns out it's actually really hard. Well, and this is where having an electric guitar, uh, which I might take Moses's suggestion for doing some future riffs on the on the electric, because a, it's way easier to play, and you get that sweet voltage. Because otherwise, it sounds kind of dorky, like. Like it sounds like a, on a ukulele. ukulele. It yes. does, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like super dorky. And yeah, it, it loses its macho, hey? Yeah. Yeah, you need that juice. It needs the juice. All right, there you, you go. The, uh, Live version of the uh, water acoustic. In the bowls. Sweet Child of Mine with Shreds. Nice. <laughs> All right, in case you missed it, number two. Um, so we talked about on Are You Okay? Um, if billionaires could uh, call, foul, uh, call foul play. Uh, well, Fox Business Net Network contributor and host of Fox's, um, uh, Fox's Making Money with Charles Payne, um, he went off, so Charles Payne went off on billionaires complaining about the stock market debacle and why they shouldn't be whining. Uh, flip. First of all, all of this nonsense, all of this noise, all of this whining by Wall Street, it's making me sick. 140% of GameStop was short. I didn't hear one person on TV complaining about Wall Street trying to crush GameStop. 140% short. I told my subscribers, buy this stock, and they made a fortune. I also told them to buy Virgin Space, uh, Virgin. We took profits on that today. Fizz, that's up huge. Tangers is up huge. Neil, you can't allow Wall Street to short 75% of a stock, and nobody says anything. Crush these companies into the dirt, and then when the individual investor makes money, everyone's up in arms. Oh, they're going to lose their shirt? Don't you think people are trading? If they traded 80 billion shares today, people are ringing the register. I have a kid who bought a house. He had a, he made fifty thousand dollars and bought a house. So yes, yeah, some people are going to lose, and some are going to win. But if you want to, if they want to change the rules of the game now because the general public is making money after decades of the shorts crushing. 
thousands of stocks into the dirt. I have watched stocks being crushed completely to zero, uh, and no one ever whispered anything because those stocks didn't have Wall Street sponsorship. They were small names. Maybe they went public through a reverse takeover. Whatever it was, the shorts have had their way with the market for decades. No one's ever complained about it. So I am thrilled if you were going to try to destroy a company by shorting 140% of a stock, you have to accept the fact that individual investors are playing the same game that you're playing and now you're losing. Yeah. Well, he's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely he right. Well, but be careful, though, because it is a very dangerous game to get into the Internet trends of stocks. It is it happens yeah. quickly. And if you're late, then you're late. Very late. <laughs> yeah, make sure you pull your money out in time or you're, uh, you'll lose it. Um, the biggest scam um, that happened there was the fact that they let the big guys play this, not the little guys. Sorry. Exactly. Love it. In case you missed it, Sunshine Sparkle Pants. Really glad to have you back, brother. That's fun. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.